Welcome to This Week in Linux, your Linux and open source news show from the Tux Digital Network. My name is Michael Tunnell, and this week we're going to talk about some news updates from Pipewire and the Lutris project. Plus, we got some desktop environment news from KDE Plasma with Plasma 6, and also some news about the Cosmic Desktop from System76. And we've got some distro news from Ubuntu, Arch Linux, and Chimera OS. All of that and so much more coming up right now on your source for Linux. Good news. This episode of Twill is sponsored by Linode and by Bitwarden. Up first in the show this week, we're going to talk about KDE Plasma because the KDE team have released some news about the new features and enhancements that are coming with KDE Plasma 6. First of all, we're going to have a floating panel by default and also double click for opening files will be the default, which is something I have been wanting for a long time, not because I necessarily need it for myself, because I think that's the best approach for the person who is a beginner or new to KDE Plasma. Also, there's a new default task switcher that is being included in Plasma 6. And now console has a new monitor for prompt feature that can be used to send a notification once a long running task finishes, which is really nice because for people who have a thing that has to take maybe 20, 30 minutes, they don't want to just sit there and wait for the console to do it. It can give you a notification saying, hey, it's done. That is just very nice. Also, there's going to be better handling for keyboard backlighting. And some really exciting news is basic HDR support. HDR support in Plasma 6 will be available with the Wayland session, which will also be enabled by default in the upcoming release. If you'd like to learn more about the upcoming news for the next version of KDE Plasma with Plasma 6, you'll find links in the show notes. In the latest update from System76, the creators of the popular PopOS Linux distro, significant progress has been made on their cosmic desktop environment, which is a very interesting topic. And for those who are not familiar with it, you can check out links in the show notes where I talk about the cosmic desktops initial announcement and that sort of stuff. The company has been investing heavily in their cosmic desktop environment for what potentially could be a game changer for the UI on Linux. One of the key developments highlighted in their blog posts is the progress made on cosmic panels, which are similar to the top bar and dock in traditional desktop environments. We also see that in some desktop environments call them panels in general, but the way these work are pretty different because the cosmic panels offers increased versatility and functionality. These panel applets, they have, uh, well, basically they're actually kind of individual applications running inside of their own processes in these panels. This allows the user to customize their experience by adding or removing applets. System76 envisions cosmic panels as a flagship feature that can be utilized not only by Pop! OS, but also other distros, companies, and organizations to create their own unique user experience. System76 also is actively working on cosmic settings, a dedicated area for handling various desktop settings like KDE's system settings system. This includes keyboard input, wallpaper settings, and more. Cosmic settings follows a modular approach allowing developers to add or remove settings pages as needed. This flexibility empowers projects to create custom pages tailored to their specific requirements, which is really cool. System76 also is participating in the Red Hat HDR Hackfest, demonstrating their commitment to supporting HDR within Cosmic. However, due to the current state of the kernel APIs, full and proper HDR support is expected to take some time. Now, in the meantime, System76 may offer the ability to enable and disable HDR inside of Cosmic. And another key focus that they're doing is accessibility, which is fantastic to see that because accessibility is very important. They are actively contributing to the development of the Iced Rust GUI library 
which is used for creating cosmic apps and provides accessibility infrastructure. By incorporating the Access Kit project, System76 aims to ensure that Cosmic is accessible to all users. They have successfully integrated the Orca screen reader into Cosmic so far, and well, although there are some still things that they're working on, like enhancing keyboard control, but it's really awesome to see that they're working on accessibility as a key focus. In other System76 news, in their latest PopOS update, they have introduced System76 Scheduler 2.0, a software that optimizes system performance by directing resources to the active window. This also includes new PipeWire integration, audio processes receive real-time priority, minimizing audio stutters when applications are running in the background. System76 says their Scheduler 2.0 also uses 75% less resources than previous versions. So all in all, the work System76 is doing is impressive, especially with the progress of the Cosmic Desktop. I expected this to take much longer than it has, so it's really cool to see how much they have made on the progress of that new desktop environment. If you'd like to learn more about this latest news, you can find links in the show notes. Codeweavers, the renowned company behind the crossover software for running Windows apps and games on various operating systems, and key developers in the Proton project along with Valve, is undergoing a significant transition. After an impressive 27 years, Jeremy White, the company's largest shareholder, has decided to step down as CEO and move on from code weavers. This departure raises important questions about the company's future, but White's careful planning ensures a promising path forward. What I mean by that is that White says his priority has always been to engage in meaningful work with respected individuals, and he was determined to not sell the company to someone solely focused on extracting profits. Instead, after three years of extensive research, White settled on an employee ownership trust as the ideal structure to safeguard Codeweaver's future. This decision paves the way for a more community-oriented and staff-centric approach. As of April 12th, the Codeweaver's Purpose Trust has become the primary owner of the company. This trust mission is to ensure that Codeweavers continues to operate for the benefit of the community and the staff. With this new ownership structure, Codeweavers aims to thrive for years to come, serving the needs of its dedicated user base. James Ramey, the, a longtime president at Codeweavers, has been appointed as the new CEO, and Ramey's expertise and experience make him a great fit for this crucial leadership role. And additionally, Ulrich Chikala, sorry if I said that wrong, the company's esteemed director of development will now assume the position of president. Despite his decisions to step down as CEO, Jeremy White will continue to play a vital role as chairman of the board though. His continued involvement ensures a smooth transition and provides support when needed. In the blog post, White looks back on his time at Codeweavers and expresses deep gratitude for the incredible journey he experienced alongside the dedicated team and the wider wine community. He expressed his immense pride in the collective achievements and eagerly anticipates watching Codeweavers' future's uh, progress from the sidelines. White also extends a heartfelt appreciation to everyone who supported him and the company throughout the years. Their unwavering backing has been instrumental in Codeweaver's success, allowing them to overcome challenges and make a meaningful impact. The individuals who purchase Crossover in particular have directly contributed to the realization of Codeweaver's mission, enabling them to accomplish remarkable feats. This is something I like to re reiterate here because if you are someone who wants to support work done on Proton, then purchasing Crossover is a great way to do that as they share code and are related projects along with Wine. So directly helping Codeweavers by purchasing Crossover will also benefit Proton. And now looking ahead, Jeremy said he is excited about the future. He plans to explore new opportunities beyond his desk, whether it's volunteering with various organizations, embarking on adventurous hikes, reconnecting with distant relatives, or contributing to companies addressing different social issues, White is eager to embrace the next chapter of his life. 
He also publicly promised his wife that he will fi first fix the fence in their backyard, which I just thought that was kind of funny. So Code Weavers under the new employee ownership trust embarks on a transformative journey. This transition reflects a new model for corporate governance, emphasizing sustainability, ethics, and equity. The positive response from the community and the team bodes well for the future of Code Weavers, ensuring that wine and proton development will thrive and empower users for years to come. If you'd like to learn more about this news, you can check the links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Linode. Visit linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash t. UX and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. Linode provides solutions and services to accelerate innovation. You can build everything yourself if you want to piece by piece, or you can use their one-click apps from the plethora of options in Linode's app marketplace to deploy everything from Plesk and WordPress to Valheim and Minecraft servers. Linode even has VPN-friendly virtual servers, so you can create secure connections over the internet protecting you on public Wi-Fi, keeping your data private, and guarding you from malware and attacks. If that wasn't enough, every plan comes with Linode's amazing human-powered customer support. You might be wondering, what do you mean by human-powered? Well, that means that a human is involved in the support. Whether you send an email or you call them on the phone or you reply on social media, like whatever you want, you will be interacting with a human to get that support, which is unheard of in the tech industry at this point for sure. So visit linode.com slash tux to create, a, create your account. Plus, when you use that URL, you're going to get a $100 60-day free credit by going to linode.com slash tux. That's it. All you got to do is go to linode.com slash tux and sign up with that URL and you will get a $100 60-day free credit on your Linode your on your Linode cloud platforms on your Linode account. So go get started with Linode's awesome cloud platform by going to linode.com slash tux. Up next in the show, we're going to talk about Ubuntu 23.04 flavors this time. Previous episode, we talked about the official release of Ubuntu 23.04, but now I wanted to talk about the flavors alongside the main release. So this is going to be a little while because we have a lot of flavors to talk about. So let's get started. First of all, we're going to talk about Kubuntu 23.04. This ships with KDE Plasma 5.27 LTS desktop environment and KDE Gear 22.12.3. It also introduces high-resolution scrolling in Wayland, resulting in better smooth scrolling for performance in Chrome and Firefox, native support for fractional scaling in Wayland sessions, enhancing display flexibility, and so much more. Uh, Lubuntu 23.04 includes the LXQt 1.2 desktop environment, focusing on a lightweight and energy-efficient experience. Utilizes PyCom as the default X compositor now, improving visual effects. And for those looking for LXQt 1.3, which you talked about on a previous episode, this will be available in a future release of Lubuntu 23.04 through their Backports PPA. Up next is Zubuntu 23.04. Features XFCE 4.18 desktop environment with a focus on simplicity and performance, featuring updates to GTK4, initial Wayland support, and a revamp of core native apps. This is a very big update for Zubuntu and XFCE as a, as a whole. Let's talk about now Ubuntu Mate 23.04. They say that it maintains familiarity with the latest version of Mate 1.26 desktop environment, delivering a stable and reliable experience. Includes a bug fix update to the Aya. Ayatana, I'm not really sure how you're supposed to say that, indicators package, and minor visual refinements. Martin Wimpress, the head of Ubuntu Mate, says that Ubuntu Mate 23.04 is the least exciting Ubuntu Mate release ever. The good news is, though, if you liked Ubuntu Mate 22.10, then it is more of the same, just with better artwork. 
So next up, we're going to talk about Ubuntu Budgie 23.04. It ships with Budgie 10.7 desktop environment, providing enhanced hot corner capabilities and intuitive tiling support, offers expanded hot corners with eight spots for productive tasks triggered by mouse gestures, introduces a new application indexer for faster app searches, and a built-in Budgie screenshot app, as well as many more things. Now, the next one we're going to talk about is Ubuntu Cinnamon. Ubuntu Cinnamon 23.04 debuts as an official Ubuntu flavor, featuring Cinnamon 5.6 desktop environment developed by the Linux Mint team. And we talked about this in a previous episode, so you want to learn more about Ubuntu Cinnamon 23.04, you'll find links in the show notes. Edge Ubuntu 23.04 has made a triumphant return as an official flavor of Ubuntu after nine years. This educational distro offers tailored configurations for different age groups, complete with a range of applications and a user-friendly interface for kids in preschool all the way up to college. Notable features include the inclusion of GNOME 44 as a desktop environment and the ability to hide certain apps from non-administrator users. Edubuntu also brings an impressive collection of educational apps such as Gcompre, Inkscape, Scribus, Tux Paints, Delarium, Caliber, eBook Reader, and many more. Its revival aims to empower learners and educators with a dynamic and engaging educational ecosystem. Next up, Ubuntu Studio 23.04. This shares a lot of components with Kubuntu, so it features the same KDE Plasma 5.27 desktop environment for its interface. Ubuntu Studio's appeal is the enhancements offered on the media production side of things, especially with the audio side. One standout feature is the integration of Pipewire with full jack support. Setting Ubuntu Studio apart from other distributions, this is the out-of-the-box functionality ensuring smooth audio experience without the need for additional installations. The installer has been completely redesigned, optimizing it for high DPI displays, and it also allows users to choose from preferred packages and even uninstall entire groups of packages if they want to. Ubuntu Studio 23.04 also supports the ability to switch between the new PyPower configuration and the traditional Pulse Audio slash Jack setup. And finally, we're going to talk about Ubuntu Unity 23.04. Ubuntu Unity is shipping with the Unity 7.7 desktop environment. With this release, users can enjoy a brand new dash reminiscent of the concept designed for Ubuntu 1604. This panel has also been enhanced, featuring a slightly larger size and a default translucent look, adding a bunch of elegance to the light mode. To keep you informed, the indicator notification system is now pre-installed, ensuring you never miss any important notifications that may have appeared while you were away. Additionally, Ubuntu Unity now supports U-Widgets, the official widgets implementation. The development team is actively working on a dedicated store to download and manage these widgets as well, which will be available in the coming weeks or so. These Ubuntu flavors cater to diverse user preferences, offering unique desktop environments and features while maintaining the reliability and foundation of the Ubuntu operating system. So if you'd like to learn more about these flavors, you can find links in the show notes. Pipewire 0.3.71 has been released, bringing a bunch of improvements and exciting features. For those unfamiliar, Pipewire is a versatile multimedia framework that handles audio and video streams, serving as a replacement for older technologies like Pulse Audio and Jack. One notable addition in this release is the new zero latency Jack D-Bus bridge. Similar to Pulse Audio, it creates a sync slash source when Jack Dbus is initiated. However, this bridge is much more efficient, running the complete Pipewire graph as a, as an asynchronous Jack client without introducing any additional latency. The Jack Notified callback implementation has also undergone some reworking. 
resulting in better compatibility with R-Door 7 and the jack stress test. Additionally, Pipewire 0.3.71 brings various performance improvements. Activation of remote nodes has become more efficient, requiring fewer event file descriptors on the client side, and the release also reduces callback overhead in performance critical paths and introduces an optimized poll function. These enhancements, primarily driven by the Jack Dbus module, aim to minimize latency and maximize system efficiency. There's also been work on basic audio profiles devices or BAP devices, and the, the update ensures that device latency is passed on to applications even for multi-device headsets and improves channel allocation. These enhancements contribute to a better audio experience when you're using BAP devices over Bluetooth. The release notes for Pipewire 0.3.71 also highlight numerous bug fixes and additional improvements that further refine the functionality of this multimedia framework. Pipewire has gained popularity among desktop Linux distributions with leading players like Fedora Workstation and Ubuntu adopting it as their default audio stack. However, for desktop users, it is recommended to wait for distribution maintainers to package and provide this update because building from source can be a bit complex. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Pipewire, you'll find links in the show notes. Lutris, the popular open source game launcher, has just released a new version with a bunch of awesome features and improvements. For those unfamiliar, Lutris is a fantastic tool that simplifies the installation, launching, and playing of games on Linux. It integrates various gaming platforms like Steam, GOG, Humble Bundle, and more, allowing you to manage your game library through a sleek and unified interface. So let's dive into what is new with Lutris 0.5.13. First up, Proton support is back. Though for now, it's recommended to stick with Lutris's wine builds for a more smoother experience, but it's really cool to see that they're working on the Proton support and what they're doing for the future support of it. If you're someone who, with an extensive game library, you'll love this update because thanks to performance improvements and other UI enhancements, Lutris is now much more responsive than before. Lutris 0.5.13 also introduces several exciting features. You can now drag and drop files directly onto the main window for easier organization. The integration with ModDB allows you to reference ModDB links in Lutris installers, making the gaming experience even more convenient. The UI has received a makeover as well with restyled configuration, restyled preferences, a restyled installer, and restyled add games windows. Configuration options are now grouped into sections, streamlining the settings management process. Plus, you have the option to stop Lutris from repeatedly asking for launch configuration of a game, making things just overall smoother to use. Additionally, this update includes improved high DBI support for custom media and the detection of obsolete Vulkan drivers, among many other things. If you'd like to learn more about the latest version of Lutris, you'll find links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com tux. Bitwarden is an awesome piece of software. It is a, a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to do any of this stuff. You can access data across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, mobile applications, desktop applications, or even on the command line. Plus, Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your device so you know you're the only person with access to your data, which is very important for a password manager, obviously. <laughs> so go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. Did I mention you get started for free? Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because for less than a dollar per month, that's right, for just $10 per year, you get a bunch of cool features like one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, 
Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, kind of like Google Authenticator or Authy or that sort of thing, a party customer service, and you get all of this for less than a dollar per month. So make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started with your account. And thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of This Week in Linux. In some more Ubuntu news, Canonical, the company behind Ubuntu, is improving how the PPAs or personal package archives are managed. PPAs have long been a useful feature, allowing users to easily enhance the official Ubuntu repositories with additional software packages. However, they have also raised concerns about security and reliability over the years. With the upcoming release of Ubuntu 23.10, which is codenamed Manic Minotaur, which is a very fun codename, uh, Canonical is introducing significant changes to address these issues. Until now, PPAs were managed through .list files and GPG keyrings stored in specific directories. However, this approach proved to be unreliable and insecure. To address these concerns, Canonical is introducing a new method. Starting with Ubuntu 23.10, PPAs will be managed through deb822-formatted.source files. The significant advantage of this change is that the GPG keys will be directly embedded into the files signed by field, enhancing security and reliability. One crucial improvement is that removing a PPA will now automatically remove its associated key, reducing the risk of leftover security vulnerabilities. Additionally, each key is unique to a specific PPA, preventing its use for other repositories. Other keys will no longer be allowed to sign a PPA, ensuring integrity and authenticity. Canonical believes that these changes will greatly enhance the security and reliability of managing PPAs on Ubuntu systems. The changes are expected to be available when Ubuntu 23.10 is released on October 12th, 2023. If you'd like to learn more about this news, you can find links in the show notes. In some Arch Linux news, the Arch Linux team has decided to discontinue SVN access and they're making some repository changes. The testing repository will be split into core testing and extra testing. The staging repository will be split into core staging and extra staging. The community repository will be merged into extra and will therefore be empty after the mitigation. All affected repositories will be provided as empty repositories for a transition period after the migration. For regular users, this means that everything works as before, but for developers, there will be slight differences. Now note that after the migration is done, users that have the testing repositories enabled need to include new repositories, the core testing and the extra testing instead of just testing in their pacman.conf before they update their system. Now, the discontinuing SVN is really good because this is a, let's talk about the difference between SVN and Git. So SVN or, or subversion is a centralized version control system where the entire code base is stored in a central repository. Git is a distributed version controlled system where each developer has a complete local copy of the repository and can work offline. So overall, a lot of people have been switching to Git for many years because it just seems like the better option. Now, if you'd like to learn more about this news from Arch Linux, you'll find links in the show notes. If you're looking for a gaming experience similar to the Steam Deck, but without the Steam Deck, then you can check out Chimera OS. They recently released version 42, and it's a great alternative to SteamOS 3, especially since you, the SteamOS 3 is exclusive to the Steam Deck right now, 
we don't know when it's going to be available, but right now you can try Chimera OS 42 to accomplish basically the same thing. And Chimera OS 42 comes with a Linux kernel version 6.1.27, Mesa 23.0.2 with Intel ANV and uh, Gamescope compatibility patches, and NVIDIA driver version 530.41.03. This aims to offer a smooth and optimized experience for gamers who want to have their own basically set-top game console. Let's delve into the exciting improvements in Chimera OS 42. Firstly, the device support has been expanded, including support for the GPD Win 4 with controllers, full controller support. It also includes improvements for Ayano devices. And Chimera OS 42 introduces new open gamepad UI display session option. It offers a unique custom user interface, giving users multi-library launcher system with plug-in support. Although it's currently in the early alpha stage, this feature shows promising potential. Now let's talk about the various fixes and improvements. The disk management utility in Chimera OS has, or the Chimera app has been improved, providing a more user-friendly experience. Formatting and mounting of secondary storage devices have been fixed with the note for real this time. So the Chimera app can now be launched locally from the desktop, offering convenient access to the features the app also displays apps and game titles on the Flatpak or the Flathub, GOG, and Epic Games Store pages, simplifying the search for your favorite titles. Several other bug fixes have been implemented in this release, as well as many more things. If you're interested in upgrading to Chimera OS 42, if you're already using it, be aware that, that it now uses SystemD boot bootloader instead of SysLinux, and this may require reinstallation for some systems, depending on your configuration, whether you're using like a legacy BIOS boot or MBR partition types. However, upgrading from older Chimera OS versions should work smoothly, but just to keep that in mind. If you'd like to learn more about the latest release of Chimera OS or just Chimera OS in general, you'll find links in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on this show and want to keep up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, then be sure to subscribe. And of course, remember to like that smash button. If you'd like to support the show and the Tux Digital Network, then consider becoming a patron by going to tuxdigital.com membership where you can get a bunch of cool features and perks like access to patron-only sections of our Discord and much, much more. You can also support the show by ordering the Linux is Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt, which I'm wearing right now, at the tuxdigital.com slash store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff. We have hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much more at the tuxdigital.com slash store. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with the Tux Digital Network, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your source for Linux. Good news.